Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Living on Blockchain. Today, we are speaking to Ravi. Uh, Dr. Ravi is like the CEO of Aziv, and Aziv is a no-code blockchain infrastructure platform. Uh, just the fact that it is no-code and it's dealing with infrastructure, it's it's quite a pioneering platform, uh, which is adding to lives of developers and helping developers who are transitioning from Web 2 to Web 3 as well. It was a very interesting conversation talking about ZK, NFTs, DeFi, and whatnot. I really wait uh, for you guys to uh, hear this conversation and gain uh, many, many insights. I would also like to touch upon the fact that, you know, we have uh, completed 50 episodes of Living on Blockchain, and uh, I'm uh, incredibly proud of the team and all the support of our listeners. So thank you so much, guys, for your continued support and uh, listening in and tuning in to these fun chats that we keep doing uh, with Web3 founders. If you guys have any recommendations for any more founders that you know you would like to get on this particular show, please do write uh, to us. And uh, with, without further ado, uh, let, let's talk to uh, Dr. Ravi and the conversation that I had with him. Let, let's deep dive right in. Hi, Ravi. Thank you so much for taking out the time to speak to me. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for asking. So for our listeners, Ravi, would you like to tell us a little about yourself and how you got into Web3? Yeah, my name is Ravi. I'm the co-founder, CEO of Z. I've been into IT space for 20 plus years now. Started my journey with the dot-com in 98. And then I've been working with uh, quite a few startups uh, in the last 20 years. Got into blockchain in 2017 uh, with a startup called Sapokal building enterprise products and solutions in the blockchain space. And then, you know, uh, based on the expertise and experience we gained there, we realized uh, uh, open space in the um, blockchain infrastructure management. And that's how the whole idea originated and we started Z three years back. Awesome. So, you know, you've been around for some time now and you've probably seen like, uh, the the cyclical way the way the market works as well. Tell us a little more about uh, Zeev and you know what you guys are building. So Zeev is a web three infrastructure as a service platform. We uh, provide infrastructure tools to uh, developers across different protocols. So we started with enterprise protocols uh, like you know Hyperledger Suite, Fabric, Besu, Sawtooth, and then R three Coda. Uh, so we provide fully automated uh, deployment, management, monitoring uh, of, of blockchain networks. And then, you know, we extend it to uh, uh, public protocols where we provide RPC endpoints, full nodes, archive nodes, staking infrastructure for almost 40 plus blockchains. Sounds really swell. Does it work like AWS? Is it like a self-service platform or does the user need to come to your platform and require some help from your end before they can deploy some? Uh, no, so it's low code to no code platform until unless, you know, like in the enterprise setup, uh, launching a consortium, et cetera, there may be a bit of handholding or some legacy integrations may be involved. But largely, okay. if you talk about public protocols or uh, app chains infrastructure, it's pretty much do it yourself, no code uh, platform. Awesome. That, that is that that makes it uh, like really encouraging for people who are perhaps not that tech savvy. And in case, you know, they're trying to deploy uh, some sort of code on a node and see how uh, smart smart contracts run. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think and that's the reason uh, one use case which we never thought of is the hmm. colleges, universities and regulatory sandboxes where quite a few universities 
or students, they use our platform as a sandbox. You know, they can come in, they can deploy contracts. Uh, there right. are free APIs for developers to start their journey with us. Uh, so they can try out the platform and, and you know, uh, pretty much till the time they get into production, they can use our platform completely for free. Wow, that's brilliant. That's like very encouraging, I think, for the new developers. So, you know, you're the CEO uh, and what motivated you perhaps to establish a no-code blockchain infra company? Because I, I do think that, you know, a lot of people are thinking about no-code in a big way now. Uh, but, uh, you know, when it comes to infrastructure, I, I still feel that no-code has a long way to go. But for blockchain, which it's pretty, uh, you know, revolutionary, I would say. What motivated you to do, take the step? Yeah, so as I mentioned, you know, while working with Sapopal, we were uh, working with uh, quite a few enterprise customers. And right. there, one of the challenges we used to face was that most of the customers at that time, 17 to 19, they were mm. doing POCs, pilots, etc. So it used to take a lot of time to set up a, uh, a proper infrastructure. If you take fabric, it used to take three to four weeks minimum to set up a, uh, a proper infrastructure, which is error-free and scalable and performing well. Um, mm. and, and especially whenever the enterprise wanted to get into production or, or a larger pilot with more participants, um, creating and managing such an infrastructure was a, a huge overhead. And we have seen the, uh, quite a few implementation failures just because either overheads on the infrastructure cost or not able to manage it. Um, like one enterprise customer we got about two and a half years back, you know, they were struggling. It's, it's a large enterprise with a huge team, but they were still struggling with deploying an enterprise-grade, production-grade infrastructure. So um, we saw an opportunity. And at that time, there was one tool called Cello uh, in, in hyper-religious suite of products, but that was not getting updated. I think the uh, uh, community had lost an interest. So we saw a very good opportunity that this is something which is very much required. So initially, we built it for our own purpose um, hmm. while working with Sapogal. And then we realized that this is something that industry wants. We started getting a lot of traction. So then we carved out Z uh, as a separate brand and and you know switched to a, you know converted Sapogal into Z. So that's how um, Z started. And uh, okay. uh, same goes for public protocols. Also, we saw that uh, especially with DeFi boom happening during the uh, uh, you know after the COVID. So we saw that uh, the space is heating up. There are a lot of new protocols which are coming in, especially layer twos and uh, new layer ones. So uh, every uh, protocol do require a, a vibrant and um, developer community. And to build them, they require necessary development tools and infra tools. So that is what we thought uh, is something which industry requires. Right. Okay, this has been quite a, like it's, it's grown quite organically, I would say. So th this, this has been quite a journey for you guys. How large is the team uh, right now? Uh, we have a team of almost 100 plus people now. Uh, 70 okay. plus blockchain and DevOps engineers. And, uh, and yeah, so, and, and we have been scaling on the uh, uh, innovation side, covering different protocols, uh, building more infrastructure tools, especially on the privacy interoperability side. Right. So what is the next big milestone for you guys? Like what would you consider uh, a big achievement? What did you know you guys are right? So, um, one I think is uh, the whole app chain infrastructure. App chain is a yeah. uh, comparatively a new concept. We have already partnered with uh, uh, major app chain providers. We are working very closely with Polygon, Avalanche, you know, uh, Substrate ecosystem. 
to um, uh, bring in the level of automation that is required to deploy our uh, one's own blockchain. Because when we talk about uh, launching your own custom blockchain, then it's not just it's not just you know few APIs and nodes. You do, right. you do require uh, the entire set of components, whether it be explorer, wallet infrastructure, cross chain bridges, um, faucets, and so on and so forth. So it becomes a very uh, uh, huge project for um, anyone to launch such a uh, infrastructure, and that is where we want to make it so simple because we believe that AppChain is uh, going to be um, used by quite a few enterprises as well as the three startups. Okay, awesome. And, then, and, yeah, please go ahead. And, and then there are a few things, as I mentioned, on the uh, privacy interoperability side, especially using zero-knowledge pool. So that's something hmm. that we are working uh, uh, in the fold right now. But yeah, something uh, uh, cool and exciting will come in later, later of this year. Awesome. You kind of... Uh, you know, took on my next question. I was about to ask you about zero knowledge proofs and what you guys are uh, doing there. So, for our listeners, would you uh, explain what perhaps zero knowledge proofs are and how you know you guys are uh, working uh, to you know integrating that in your infrastructure? Layer? Yeah. So one, uh, so zero knowledge proofs, uh, uh, especially when we want to enable privacy, zero knowledge mm-hmm. proofs are now being tried out for various regions and various use cases in the blockchain space. Uh, right. One, you know, we are seeing increasingly more blockchains coming in with our, uh, like, you know, whether it be ZK rollups where they are using zero-knowledge proof to um, uh, submit the proof to the main chain. But then there are, you know, ZK EVM which are bringing in the EVM compatibility to a zero-knowledge proof. And then there are a variety of use cases where zero-knowledge proofs are being used uh, for privacy uh, of data, maybe, you know, customer data, privacy right. transactions who are doing, um, reducing the impact of, you know, front running and so on and so forth. So uh, one is a very simple, straightforward journey. Like, you know, we added the support for Polygon ZK AVM as soon as it was launched. Uh, yeah. One of the few players who provide support for ZK AVM. And then, you know, we are working with other partners uh, who are launching ZK-based uh, chains. But then uh, uh, there are a few other components which a lot of applications are exploring today. Um, it may be uh, um, in the decentralized oracle space, a lot of enterprises who are getting into real-world asset tokenization do require um, feeds or data that they can trust. And today, if you see the decentralized oracles, they are uh, targeting majorly the DeFi market. But then there is a, a lot of real-world market also who would require trusted data feeds, etc. So there are quite a few areas that uh, are, are interesting. Again, uh, uh, we are very much focused on infrastructure. So whatever we are building are more on the component side that can be utilized by various chains or various dApps. Right. Okay. Well, that makes sense. You have like a sole focus which is infra. So, you know, everything kind of ties up there. That's brilliant. So now moving a little from away from Z and, you know, talking a little about market trends, what are your thoughts uh, on, on the DeFi space and uh, what do you think or what would be your prediction uh, for perhaps gaining mass adoption in DeFi? Uh, <clears throat> so I think that, yeah, DeFi one, my feeling is that it's definitely here to stay. No doubt yeah. about that. Uh, the TVL, uh, the challenges related to whether it be hacks or challenges related to regulatory compliances, they are going to be there. And I think 
everyone is trying to navigate and see uh, um, both on the builder side as well as on the government side how to uh, bring in necessary compliances to bring in some discipline into the whole DeFi world. But yeah, we are very optimistic that DeFi will continue to grow. The uh, uh, another area which is uh, uh, has come up in the last couple of years is whole tokenization world, real world asset tokenization. So I think there is one drive which is happening towards building all necessary compliances, technology infrastructure for real world asset tokenization. And once these we we have a lot of tokenized assets, then I think mm -hmm. uh, it will help DeFi go to the next level. Right now, DeFi is pretty much limited to um, you know, utility tokens. But just imagine where you know DeFi has expanded to tokenized assets. Then we are talking about trillion dollar industry. So it will help uh, expand the scope of DeFi across all industries, all kind of assets. Yeah, I think so too. So you know, I uh, my co-founder and I did work on something. Uh, called Open DeFi, which was supposed to be tokenizing real real life assets, but uh, you know we we successfully managed to do it for uh, gold and silver. But uh, you know the more assets or the more jurisdictions that you try to move on with it, there are things like uh, you know you need an insurer, you need a custodian, you need a source, uh, and the policy is so dynamic around uh, you know crypto uh, throughout the world, and uh, that you know it can be. It can be a tough nut not to crack, but I do agree that you know if somebody is able to crack it and get some uh, good AUM under their belt, then obviously that it'll add to mass adoption. No, absolutely, I agree because the uh, the, the main thing is value proposition. Does right. blockchain based tokenization bring in some real value that cannot be utilized by the existing technologies? The answer right. is yes. Uh, hmm. And and if that is there, then you know the rest of the things will fall in place. It may take time. So if you talk about complex asset classes like real estate, of course, right. uh, uh, to have a proper firmed up regulations will take more time. For commodities like you know gold, silver, it will be much simpler, easier. Yeah. There is a lot of uh, tokenization happening in the whole ESG space, uh, carbon credits, carbon offsets to right. you know all kind of renewables and utility. So yeah, so um, and and some regulations have also come up in some some jurisdictions. So hmm. people have started moving and and you know launching their uh, initiatives in those jurisdictions. And I think slowly and slowly these jurisdictions uh, uh, will expand. You know, more and more countries will start having proper regulations. Yeah, absolutely. What is your take on the you know the policy and regulation? scenario here in India because we are talking about regulation and how that has become a bit, it is a small obstacle in the path to mass adoption. How do you see uh, India playing a role and what is your take on the kind of taxation that you know India has levied uh, in terms of crypto transactions? Yeah, so taxation I think is a uh, is a short-term uh, hasty kind of decision that has been taken but i think what we require is a is a larger regulatory framework uh, so that there is a clear predictability among these startups and most of the startups who are actually uh, uh, like tokenizing if you talk about securities and tokenized assets i think they are low hanging fruits for the government to come up with because there right. we are using technology to bring in discipline we are bringing a lot of efficiency you know a uh, lot of security uh, uh, Exchanges, uh, stock exchanges, etc., now using blockchain to bring the back-end settlement from 
three days or four days to uh, near instant. So I think there's a uh, there's a huge uh, uh, efficiency which blockchain can bring and bring around. So I think the, uh, first we can see regulations where uh, whether it be exchanges or tokenization etc can be regulated, having a clear set of framework that will help uh, uh, achieving an exponential growth in the startup ecosystem within India. We have I think the highest number of developers in the world. It's a, mm. uh, it's it's now uh, you know we want the startups to grow. There's a lot of a huge amount of talent that we see here. A lot of exciting startups have actually come out of India, uh, have grown and and built world class ventures in the Web three space. And to uh, take maximum advantage of this, uh, what we require is is a uh, is a properly defined regulatory framework. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, because you have so many developers under your belt and your firm is uh, dealing with the very grassroots of uh, Web3 development and, you know, infra, what is um, your go-to market strategy, uh, you know, regarding acquiring these developers or regarding, uh, you know, acquiring these users? Because you are targeting a pretty much a global market. Yeah, so, uh, so we try to utilize all marketing channels. Uh, we are very strongly present on the digital channels, whether it be uh, okay. you know, generating a lot of useful content, uh, not talking about the product only, you know, talking about the various concepts in the Web3 space. So I think mm-hmm. we generate huge amount of content uh, which are being read by a lot of people who are outside the Web3 space and want to get into it. And uh, so we generate content on our platform on different uh, other platforms, including GBA, Nescom, etc. Then, you know, we are very strongly uh, focused on partnership ecosystem, whether okay. it be uh, partners who are working with various customers or uh, protocol partners you know, who are building these innovative products. And then, you know, partners who are building some other exciting tabs or dev tools or infrastructure tools that we can combine with. So we have partnered with almost 150 plus partners today we have uh, across different areas which help us to uh, uh, you know, continue to build our platform to the next level. We want the developers to feel very comfortable while building a DAP using Zeev and get access to all the necessary tool set that they require. We, of course, cannot build each and everything of them. So, of course, we mm-hmm. rely on partners. So, I think partnership ecosystem is our, our major uh, go-to strategy. And then there are various few uh, strategies that we have now designed and we are getting a uh, lot of traction based on them. One area that we continuously do that is helping Web2 developers to become Web3 developers. So we have a lot of Web3 initiatives like meetups, hackathons, okay. hmm. once a week meetups. I was about to actually touch upon that. Cities. I was about to ask you about IRL events that, you know, how many uh, events are you doing uh, offline and are you hosting hackathons? Yeah, so we have uh, created, uh, uh, we have a, a full-fledged team for that and uh, okay. we have carved out a small brand for that called Web3 Titans, where we do a weekly meetup in, in different cities. We have already covered uh, 45 plus cities in India. And okay. um, so there, and, and you know, the meetups are, are uh, meetups have seen a very good traction, you know, almost 100 to 150 people attended uh in, in person, every meetup, and there's a fraction of almost 400 to 500 registrations with every meetup. And then, you know, we do uh, hackathons, we participate in other hackathons, like, you know, uh, we have done almost 20 to 25 hackathons with different colleges, universities, community DAOs. 
तो तो या बट दीज ऑल इन पर्सन एक्टिविटीज हैव स्टार्टेड पिकिंग अप इन लास्ट सिक्स मंथ्स ओनली एंड यट वी कंटिन्यू टू पुट इन मोर एफर्ट्स इन दिस एरिया वे आर ब्रिंगिंग न्यू डेवलपर्स इन टू दी फोल इन टू दी इकोसिस्टम Awesome, awesome. This is sounds. This sounds really good. Uh, so, are you guys, uh, you know, looking to uh, raise capital uh, for Zeev, or uh, are you are you guys not really looking into that area at all? And you're comfortable? Ah, uh, so we did a seed raise last year. Uh, okay. From Leo Capital and Blue Ventures. Uh, okay. So not immediately right now, but yeah, uh, maybe sometime next year. Awesome, awesome. So uh, right now, you know, the market seems to be a bit. Um, it's it's having a bit of a bear run. So, what do you think? Uh, you know, would be the factors that you pull this market out uh, from this a uh, bear run to into a bull run? Uh, which niches do you think uh, would really shine in the upcoming bull run? Ah, uh, yeah. So that's uh, uh, difficult to say. I think uh, right now, this last year was pretty much on gaming and metaverse. uh but i see uh, defi and tokenized assets being the uh, uh the evergreen pieces because we have just scratched the surface right now there's a yeah. huge potential uh across different asset classes so that's one area i'm i'm we are we are bullish about and uh, as the regulatory framework improves and uh, there are clear compliances and regulations that are there then i think we'll see a uh, explosion i think in the uh, defi and tokenized assets space right so uh, i i think you know you you kind of have it uh, right that you, i i feel that you know i'm not entirely sure about the niche perhaps but i am sure that uh, the the bull run is going to come because you know there are builders right now who are still building and uh, people who are able to crack uh, good use cases and give their users end users uh, a good experience solve their problem uh, those would be the ones that will propel us into the uh, bull next bull run Hundred percent. I I hundred percent agree with this because uh, and and that is uh, I've been writing in our newsletters that we continue to see a lot of uh, enthusiasm, a lot of right. new developers, a lot of new startups who are building, and uh, uh, the access to capital has reduced, and and that happens during the bearish market. But still, uh, there is capital for interesting projects, and we continue to see newer projects getting funded or getting traction hmm. in terms of building user base. um or you know partnerships so yeah so a uh, lot of exciting startups are coming up and uh, they are thriving and once you know we have so many startups thriving building exciting uh, ventures of course you know uh, the bull run will will come eventually absolutely so in you know in case there are certain listeners that we have who are um perhaps looking to uh, you know get some recommendations for you uh, from you or uh, not books or thought leaders who you feel they should perhaps uh, follow to get more insights in you know uh, into the intra space or as developers uh, what would be your recommendations so one i think uh, there are a lot of uh, exciting innovations happening in this space so one uh, need to stay abreast with uh, all the set of information so um, that of course is very important one mm-hmm. uh, um thing which may be useful is um, we have found events and conferences uh, at least uh, uh, some good events and conferences to be very useful where you can connect with the like minded people in one place um, right 
So that that second area. Could you, could you recommend some to, you events? Know, like you feel uh, uh, there so are certain like conferences we that are more Paris value-driven. Right. Yeah. So Paris Blockchain Week was a very interesting event. Then, then you know consensus. I was at Oslo right. consensus this time. It was a uh, uh, very good event. And then there are a few other events like you know, I think uh, a Barcelona even European Blockchain Summit is coming in. And then, you know, uh, decoded by Polkarot is happening in June, towards the end of June. And then we also attended Avalanche Summit, uh, which happened in May. It was again, it was focused on Avalanche, but it was very exciting. Yeah, so uh, I think protocol-driven events um, or events which which, which have been there, you know, have been hosting for two, three years. Some of these events and conferences are pretty cool. Um, And then apart from this, I think... uh, um, the best way is to get your hands dirty, you know, even if somebody's starting their journey, try out something, um, do some POCs, you'll get an right. idea as to you know, what value you can realize using blockchain and be more realistic uh, with what our technology, end of the day, it's technology, right? It has got certain right. attributes, it has got certain benefits and what can be done and what cannot be done. So uh, it becomes much easier when, when we do a POC or try it out right but basically creating an mvp i think is step one like you know if you're if you're really trying to get in this space then any sort of a minimum viable product uh if you're creating that would be a good way to understand whether you know if it is it, it can be uh, feasible to scale something like that or not so always i think my advice is always very similar i think uh, that you know get your hands dirty uh, try to be open for a uh, learning and growth because those are the only ways that you know you can really expand your horizons because i do believe that formal education doesn't really train people for web3 uh, would you agree yeah at least in no, the current form yeah 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 but i think uh, we talk about the whole entrepreneurship i think there are hardly any courses that you can that can prepare you for for this but i think once right, somebody yeah. gets into it uh, gets the sense of it what is what is needed and there's a clear enthusiasm, interest, and conviction. I think yeah. uh, uh, things happen. Absolutely. I think as long as you know one has an open mind and is open to learning, mm-hmm. uh, then the world's your oyster. Especially nowadays when, uh, like, if internet was like the first greatest equalizer, then I think blockchain is the second greatest equalizer. And you don't re- you owe it to yourself to uh, learn more about this technology and try to get in this space in whatever capacity you can. Not everybody has to be a developer. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And there are a lot of opportunities. And, and it is going to impact. See, uh, blockchain is a technology uh, uh, which is going to impact the infrastructure. Sometimes, right. you know, most of the people will won't, won't even realize that they have started using a blockchain-based app rather than a uh, web2 app. So, hmm. uh, and that is going to happen. Like, you know, people will start using metaverse. They will start doing immersive interactions and so on and so forth without even realizing they are using uh, a web app. And that is, I think, should be the intent for most of the builders. Bring that kind of user experience that people are very comfortable with, which is very intuitive, so that uh, adoption becomes very easy and seamless and, and wider. Right. I, I think, uh, you know, I concur with almost everything that you uh, have to say here. Tell me a little about, uh, you know, your perspective when it comes to NFTs and what, what do you think about uh, the all the rage, like NFTs were all the rage about and they became about digital art and creation and now people are moving beyond 
just digital art and uh, you know they are looking at nfts as a place where the next big innovation can take place what is your take on this yeah so uh, i will always been uh, a vocal proponent of nfts one you know from a technology standpoint now it's the first time we have a technology which gives you an option to own an asset 100% right. ownership till that time you know no other technology has been able to do that so that i think is something very exciting and not just owning an asset but all the transactions for an asset are completely driven by immutable audit trail and uh, there's a clear um, you know transaction history and then you know with smart contracts uh, other pieces like loyalty etc is going to play a huge role so one um i think a boom and burst continue to will happen because whenever the supply becomes more than the demand of course the market is going to crash and that is what happened with yeah. nft you know? uh and then you know uh, what is the fair value uh, of a tokenized asset that again yeah. is a question so once you know uh, and and there are quite a few startups who are now building these discovery platforms where you can realize or you can ascertain the value true fair value or fair market value of an asset so i think uh, uh, these tools and then second extending nfts beyond uh, digital art and collectibles to real world assets i think will uh, open up a new new chapter altogether it has started happening uh, so uh, nfts i think is one of the most exciting concept uh, from web3 that i believe so do you uh, you know have any recommendations in terms of uh, courses or books that uh, perhaps uh, developers can look at if you if you know because you mentioned how uh, zeev is helping web2 developers transition into web3 so if somebody is just trying to explore whether this this entire area is for them would you have any recommendations for them uh so one i always recommend to start with uh, the bitcoin and ethereum white paper to okay. get a clear perspective as to how the technology came into being hmm. uh, and then in you know, a post that today of course uh, there are a lot of uh, books i think very difficult to say i have uh, read quite a few books but then books you know very quickly get outdated uh, right. technology is moving so fast so i believe yeah. uh, uh, you know some of the online blogs um or uh, uh, some courses some new courses that keep on getting updated on udemy or or different uh, uh, platforms they can be very useful and then you know uh, course uh, uh, getting up this with some of the publications like coindesk or coin telegraph etc uh, mm. give a sense of what is happening in the market what new is coming in to check out yeah it's it's a uh, it's a bit of a nightmare to navigate properly Mm, yeah but doing the right way, i think becomes now. very important yeah. yeah it's too much information yeah. it is very easy to get overwhelmed now i think when we i i had uh, you know chanced upon the bitcoin white paper and then i got into mining initially this is early 2012 uh you know it was it was still there was very sparse information and there were ways and means that you know you could find your way but now there are so many people talking about web3 and not all of it is correct by the way and that is i think like a big problem because uh, you know where you're taking your information from becomes as important as what information you're gleaning right so i think the core concept should be very clear so uh yeah. having these white papers at least the core concepts of the technology pieces are clear the rest is hmm. then an open world you know what you can build using these then uh, uh, you know 
one can read DeFi white paper, I would always recommend Aave to understand how you know uh, tokenization has been used for lending or for investments or for managing assets, right? So, uh, right. so some of these white papers are are actually very uh, very nicely done. Gives a lot of details and the utility of it. So the basic white papers, the core white papers, and some of these DeFi apps and NFTs, etc., will give a clear understanding uh, where to start. And then, of course, uh, uh, once the basic concepts are clear, I think it's easy to build on them. Right, I think I, I completely agree. You know, we've talked a lot about um, financial institutions in the financial sector and how it sets to benefit or how Web3 sets to benefit from, uh, you know, creating use cases around the financial world. What other sectors of business or what other niches do you think are, uh, you know, set to see a boom because of this technology? Uh, so we are seeing a lot of traction in uh, telecom space, media and entertainment. Mm-hmm. Then okay. energy and utilities, uh, manufacturing uh, as a whole, uh, touching different industry. So these are some on the enterprise side. Um, and then, you know, um, even in the public protocol space, uh, uh, I think DeFi um, is, the, is the biggest piece. And then, you know, tokenized assets, which again will touch upon pretty much all industries. The lowest right. hanging fruit, yeah. of course, would be financial services because we already have yeah. digitized assets. So wherever we have digitized assets, you know, uh, converting them into a tokenized assets, it's, it's much simpler than moving on to assets which are physical in nature. Uh, they are much more difficult, would require more compliances, proof of reserves, etc. Yeah, so these are some sense, of the industries, I, I believe, uh, yeah. Are set to basically get revolutionized because of uh, Web3. I, I totally, I think, concur. I feel a lot of, um, you know, a lot of sectors, I think, can uh, benefit from using this technology. But uh, then again, like, it's the same logic as how every industry now kind of sits on tech, right? Uh, so I, I feel that, you know, in, in the future, it will be like every industry has like a Web3 component built in. And, uh, you know, we wouldn't even know. And we wouldn't be privy to it, but it'll just make the entire sector boom a little bit and maybe make it a little easier for the users. Right. Decentralized identity, I think, is is definitely going to touch upon quite a few industries, including the public mm-hmm. uh, sector space. That I think is going to change. Yeah, absolutely. Especially because, you know, with all of these uh, use cases and when all of these, uh, you know, cases happen where the Aadhaars are kind of, the data is um, available at the at, on, on the web for anybody to purchase for the highest bidder, I feel the de- decentralized identity uh, has bigger implications than just, you know, perhaps um, as a unique identity for Web3 applications. Yeah, no. So apart from privacy and security, it's about efficiency also. Uh, right. Managing such large data sets, securing them, especially the secure transfer or utilizing mm-hmm. the identity. One is just, you know, creating identity and storing it. But the uh, uh, the bigger challenge is how to utilize that identity without risk, without, you know, privacy concerns or security concerns. That I think uh, is, is something which decentralized identity is going to change, where you can uh, connect with someone without diverging uh, any unnecessary information to unnecessary actors. There are revoke access uh, pieces. And then, you know, once the metaverse uh, grows up, 
uh, hmm. identity will become a is, is a centralized piece. Similarly, for IoT, so IoT based, whether it be a uh, like you know, there's a consortium DAV by Vodafone, very exciting, uh, you know, providing decentralized identity to IoT devices. So uh, I think identities is uh, going to be a cornerstone, uh, one of the most basic use cases that will be utilized by various other use cases. Absolutely, I think the but like the entire identity space is like a gold mine of use cases. So if there are any entrepreneurs listening, and I I would think that you know you should perhaps use your and you're still looking for an idea, then perhaps look for uh, something to solve in the ID identity space because that itself is really uh, huge and it can have really big repercussions. No, that's true. What are your uh, you know what do you think about uh, the general um, perception about Web three, you know how how do we change that as builders in the space? How how do you think we can do our bit to change the perception or the negative connotations associated with Web three? So I think evangelizing and education, uh, right? That's what we we do our uh, small bit in this space. Mm. Uh, you know, I do a lot of uh, uh, myself personally. You know, do a lot of webinars. Just you know, repeating basic concepts to understand the uh, technology, the various features, benefits, etc. So I think evangelizing and continue to uh, uh, have education will uh, uh, make people understand about the technology per se. Uh, it's it's uh, it's it's a bit complex, no doubt. And then you know there are always uh, misuse which happens whenever a new technology comes in. So yeah. how to navigate between these two? Like you know, uh, the good part of it and the abuse potential of it. Uh, I think it will become easier for people to understand the benefits and see how they can be part of it. Yeah, I think I agree. I think education becomes like a very important factor here, and it, the onus falls on the builders and on the people who are working in this space to make sure that you know the right kind of information is reaching the masses, so that the perception changes as well as more people are uh, feeling. Correctly about getting in this space, and they feel encouraged to get in this space. Yep, it is still not a cut and dry market that you know. You simply talk about your products. Yeah, uh, absolutely. That's why we believe that when we generate content, twenty percent talk about product, eighty percent talk about the technology and the promise of it. That more and more people, you know, uh, start using it, start understanding it. Yeah, I, I think that is pretty much bang on. What are your uh, most used uh, Web3 applications? On the platform? No, yeah, the ones that you use or on the platform. As, as a user. About both. Yeah, as a user. Uh, oh, so as a user, I think uh, NFT, DeFi, uh, definitely. And then, you know, pretty much I believe Dex uh, is one of the most used applications. I see how you're being very safe and not naming specific platforms. <laughs> yeah, so oh, no, yeah, so because <laughs> we are use case platform protocol agnostic. So right. uh, no, no, no favorite. I think uh, uh, now there are in any case there are lots and lots of protocols, right? Earlier exactly, it was yeah. very easy, you know. There was Ethereum ecosystem, Ethereum Polygon. You used to talk about Uniswap or Pancake Swap. Now. Yeah. We are talking about Arbitrum or Phantom or Avalanche ecosystem, Parity Substrate ecosystem, Polkarot, Cosmos. So we have protocol partners across different ecosystems. 
and uh, each ecosystem comes up with their own tech, own wallet infrastructure, own cross-chain bridges or interoperability uh, options. So, uh, so there's no favorite, I would say. Uh, but yeah, mm. um, uh, I believe that Ethereum and Polkadot and Cosmos are the largest ecosystem today. And uh, so most of the interactions uh, happen, you know, apps which are supporting these ecosystems. Okay. And on your, from the perspective of like somebody who is like looking at all this infrastructure and getting all of these insights, which uh, ecosystems or which, what kind of applications are mostly being utilized by the users, the end users? Uh, so I think uh, uh, one is uh, gaming which yeah. is uh, quite a few users. Then the biggest is, I think, believe is wallet. Uh, so right. whenever somebody starts their web three journey, of course, they um, download or utilize a browser extension or any, any kind of wallet. And then, of right. course, they go to either centralized exchange or decentralized exchange to get access to some tokens. So that's how the journey starts. Post that, I think NFT have brought in a lot of new users to the ecosystem. So that was okay. their first, you know, first time they interacted with uh, this. And then again, you know, once somebody is already in this space, has got access to tokens, then being a liquidity provider across different taxes or lending platforms is uh, again very common. Uh, a lot of people do it. And then you know, the rest I think are are pretty much the users who are yeah. using uh, something or the other. Uh, one uh, customer recently we had launched on our platform has launched a voting app, you know, okay. something like Wisdom of Crowd, where people can participate. And, it, and from a user perspective, it's it's pretty much cool. You know, they do not need to uh, understand the smart contracts or pay for the gas fee, etc. So it has been designed yeah. uh, by the pretty startup much in like a way a web that it's very interface. easy for users yeah. to participate. Correct, correct. And now okay. with you know. Uh, innovations in this space, uh, user experiences definitely improving. So that again is helping all these concepts to come in where decentralization, trustless network is very important, but at the same time, mm. user experience is equally important. So uh, so yeah. these use cases are now started coming up and we'll see a lot many users. And, and this, I think, will help bring in a lot many users because a voting app kind of app uh, can, can bring in millions of users in a very short span of time. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's a very easy way to, uh, it's it's probably one of the quickest way, not, I wouldn't say easy, but a quick way to get like a lot of users in one place. Right. So in case, you know, any of our listeners are interested in perhaps joining your team uh, or, uh, you know, uh, taking benefits uh, of your uh, developer-centric developer-focused programs, how do you, uh, how how would you suggest they get in touch with you guys? Yeah, so we are fairly uh, open on all social channels, like very active on LinkedIn, Twitter, Discord, and Telegram. You know, we do all okay. uh, different kind of meetups, hackathons, webinars, so anyone can join in. That is to know about okay. uh, what we are doing or connect with us. Then our platform is pretty much do it yourself. Anyone can sign in and they can sign up for a free subscription plan. They get 10 million API hits a month forever free. And they can start using different uh, APIs of different protocols to start the journey. And then, you know, we awesome. have a full project support team. They right. can always initiate a chat and talk to our support team and they will help them, you know, navigate where to start and so on and so forth. In addition to uh, uh, solid documentation. 
Awesome. I think uh, that kind of solves it. Now that you know, we're kind of running out of time. Um, I would like to touch upon this one question, though you have kind of answered it in some ways uh, over the course of our conversation. But this is something I ask everybody who comes uh, on living on blockchain. Uh, what would be your two suggestions for perhaps two or three suggestions for somebody who's peering in from the outside to uh, you know actively perhaps take a leap and get into Web three and start living on blockchain? Um, so one I think is to understand the tech and right. what it can do, uh, hmm. get a thorough understanding before getting into it, because otherwise, uh, people may have some bitter experiences. Um, right. and then that happens, I think, uh, when you're starting anything, right. Um, and then, you know, start small, uh, build something, launch into the market, get feedback, and then continue to build on it. That again, uh, helps a lot. And Third, I would say that, you know, it's always, uh, uh, end of the day, it's, it's always getting traction is more important than the tech itself. So you build a solid product, definitely people will come. But uh, let, uh, uh, you know, get user traction, build on top of that traction and continue to add more innovative uh, innovation to the product. So it's, it's like a, a good virtuous cycle that needs to be built uh, right. as you get more and more traction. Absolutely. Uh, that, those are some uh, absolutely golden nuggets for uh, wannabe entrepreneurs and people who are looking to get into the Web3 space. Uh, once again, Ravi, thank you so much for taking out uh, an incredible amount of time from your busy schedule to talk to us and our listeners. Uh, do you have any parting words before we wrap this up? No, thanks uh, a lot, Tarusha. I think it was very exciting talking with you. Uh, thank you, thank you for the opportunity to be on Living on Blockchain. It's a very exciting podcast. I happened to go through it uh, before coming on this podcast with you. Yeah, so right. uh, I would say keep smiling, keep building. Awesome. That is uh, really great. Thank you so much once again, Ravi. It was really lovely chatting with you. Thank you.